everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I'm Kayla Bowker, professional triathlete, mom to two little boys, and coach at Where Your Feet Take You Triathlon and Mental Performance Coaching. I am here with Erin Oliphant, our co-host of this fun little podcast that we do. She is an elite amateur, age group triathlete, multiple time Kona finisher and qualifier, and also a coach at Where Your Feet Take You Triathlon and Coaching. We come to you approximately every week, bringing to you, answering your questions, talking all things triathlon, sharing our passion and love for the sport and everything that it has done for us. Um, you can help support the podcast by heading over to the, our Where If You Take You community on Patreon, where we share uh, exclusive episodes, which will be coming hopefully soon. We got to sit down and talk about how we want to work those work those pieces out. We provide little mini episodes and early access to our any guest episodes that we have. It's a great way to help support the podcast. And then our goal with it is to kind of bring a little bit more of a community through the Way If You Take You podcast. Thank you to, to the couple of people that have signed up. And what I want to share here is that between now and our next podcast, for every person that signs up, we will be doing a giveaway for either a hat or a swim cap. So any person that joins the Patreon podcast support community as of right now, between now and our next episode, we will do a drawing on the next episode for a swim cap or a hat. So you can find that in the show notes or head over to the Where If You Take You website and sign up there. All right, we are going to dive right in fairly quickly today because both Aaron and I have to uh, get going with the rest of the day. But Aaron, how are you feeling? Because last, (laughs) Aaron and I are in contact on a regular basis and she has not been feeling great. So how are you feeling? Okay. Um, Yeah, my energy's getting back there. Um, For most of you don't know what's going on. Um, My... (laughs) lungs just haven't felt good at all um like even just daily tasks it's this like deep burn in my chest um so haven't been doing much of anything at all which is frustrating because i have a ton of time to do stuff this week and all i want to be doing is stuff um but i think all the travel i did in the month of december and even at the beginning of january is catching up to me and I just need to take it easy for a little bit which isn't my favorite but here we are not your best stuff (laughs) no especially when you have a lot of time I know you're a little bummed with that but it's important to for us to really kind of manage your immune system right now And and I'm going on vacation next week which I wasn't that concerned about at the time, but now that it would will be like two weeks off of unstructured training, I'm freaking out, which I'm sure there's people out there who can relate to that. And it's just telling myself it's going to be okay. I mean, I'm not racing till the end of April, but I'm still like, ah, that's two weeks of, I don't know what. And so that's a little scary, but. Which is understandable and fair. And I think that's one that's important. Like, we can talk about this for a second, but, like, it's important to know that it's okay to feel that way and feel a little bit, you know, freaked out about it. I I think that's one thing that both you and I often talk about. Like, our feelings are valid, and it's important to have those feelings and to be able to say, ah, I'm a little freaked out about this. But then you take a step back and say, okay, you know, if I – that's where you have to really look at, like, what's going on. And asking yourself, if I push things now, just because I'm taking a week off next week, and just in order to feel a certain way, what what could I be risking, right? And if we push you now and say, okay, well, if your energy's kind of back and you're kind of feeling okay, like let's get on the bike and let's do it, all that's going to do is suppress your immune system more and then risk you getting really, really sick or having injury or maybe causing something that is longer term than just one to two weeks long. And when you get back, next thing, like all of a sudden now we're mid-February and you're still not barely training, right? Like we have to look long-term. Um, yeah. And it's, it, you know, just forcing things isn't the, isn't the goal. And at the end of the day, we still do have plenty of time. And like you said in your text, like I'm going skiing. So you're still moving. And 
if we can have you like every other day try for 30 to 40 minutes of running on a treadmill or lifting or finding a stationary bike for 30 to 40 minutes of that type of movement on top of the training, like you're going to come back and be just fine because you'll have managed your energy and that's more important. Yeah. Skin, that's a good burn in my legs. That yes, it is. Simulates something. So. <laughs> a lot of muscular strength going on there. Um, Got the equivalent good. of Queen of the Mountain last time I went skiing because I did a download or like the downhill one. So I think it's called Course Record, but it gave me a little crown when I downloaded Strava because yeah. Strava right now, if you record 20 minutes of activity, I think at least two times a week, you get free guac at Chipotle the rest of the month. So I Ooh. am temporarily back on Strava, people. <laughs> oh, ma'am. That's a good, um, that's a good thing because, you know, one Chipotle is awesome and two extra free guac. Yeah. It's worth Why me not? downloading Strava for. People can see my 20-minute walk just for movement. <laughs> Or I think, like, I had a, like, 45-minute bike that I just did at, like, 100 watts, and my heart rate was way high, though, for that, because I'm just sick. <laughs> yeah. You're legitimately sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the funny thing. So, uh, this is kind of like a tangent, but I've been really – I don't know why I've been thinking a lot. I was listening to that Triathlon Life podcast, and they're, like, big into Strava and making their Strava look all pretty. And I don't have the energy to do that. Like, my Strava, if you look at it, it says morning run, morning swim, afternoon bike. <laughs> like it has no structure to it. And I don't even honestly know why I have it because I literally don't look at it. I don't, I don't use it. I just upload onto it. And that's all I do with it. So I don't even know what the point of it is. But you got that cool bottle from the feed. Yes, that was cool. <laughs> I really actually use Strava to try to find um, segments every once in a while or routes or I I have this like lot, like thing that I like to look at it and I like to watch other people who use it to maybe make like a story. But and I try I, I go through like phases where like I'll do a week and I'll really update mine and make it look pretty with pictures and everything. But then it's like, OK, I got to do Instagram, YouTube the podcast work like i don't have time to do all these so i don't know strava's fun but i like all the challenges that are in it yeah the challenges seem fun and it seems like you can get some good discount codes so maybe i'll stick around this time um and not worry about what people think about my workouts and get over that yeah (laughs) well i can tell you shameless plug real quick though I've started a TikTok vlog. <laughs> if oh. anyone wants to check my daily status updates, you can check me out on TikTok at erin.oli. Just awesome. Real quick. I don't even know how to use TikTok. <laughs> you know, I thought it'd be fun more for me to like be able to look back on one day, like at Iron Man, Texas, and see like what was going on in my life the whole like four month build up. So it's yeah. kind of like an every other day little update. <laughs> Go follow Aaron on TikTok, everybody, if you know how to use it. <laughs> so that's going to be more my thing than Strava. I love it. I'm one of those people that is pretty much like, let's see, I think I'm technically a millennial. I don't actually know. I have no idea. I don't pay enough You're attention to this. You're a millennial. Am I a millennial? Yeah. Um, but sometimes I feel like I'm like the old version of it who still doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> You're like, great at Instagram, though. That's I, like I got Instagram down. Get into it, <laughs> but I never figured out how to get into Twitter. I never figured out how to get into TikTok, and I just I'm good at one, one, and that's about the extent of it. So, um, and YouTube, yes, YouTube is going well and exciting and fun. Though I will tell you, so I really enjoy YouTube. I enjoy making the videos. I actually like enjoy the filming. I enjoy the creative process around it and like thinking about like, okay, if I film here and et cetera, but it's also very scary to put it because I'm really putting myself out there and people, their comments just can be so annoying. Like, so people actually comment mean things. No, not mean. I have mine on very strict 
I have very strict, like YouTube will filter for me. And if you are following me on YouTube, like I have very strict rules on there. Like I don't allow negative stuff because I don't want to see it. I don't have space for negativity in my life. I don't need that. But there is definitely some mansplaining and, you know, those pieces. But I, yeah. Anyways, so I guess there's my shameless plug. Go follow me on YouTube. I need like (laughs) 150 more followers in order to start potentially making money on it. Ooh. Yeah. I've got like 150, 850, and you need at least 1,000 to start monetizing things. So I'm working really hard on trying to like – provide more content on it. So I have one one episode. I'm trying to do at least three episodes a month. That's my goal. So not every week, but close to it. So What's stay tuned all. Yeah. Awesome. All righty. Well, um, should we dive into some questions here? Let's do or, it. Yeah. Um, so we had a quote question from Katrika and this was really talking about, it was a, bl- a very blanket. Um, Katrika is a where if you take you athlete and worked with her for quite some time. And she had a question on goals and how, what types of goals do we like to set? How do we stay motivated for them? You know, kind of more of like all around you know, goal setting. So a little quick shameless plug for the uh, Where If You Take You Patreon account. I did put up a mini episode in that account that is only for the community members on goal setting and the types of goals. So if you do want to get extra episodes like that, head over to the Where If You Take You community on Patreon. That's a place where I do put some of those up. But we will talk about goals here because goals are really fun. This is the time of year that everybody sets goals. And, um, yeah. So what type of goals do you like to set, Aaron? Are you someone who sets only huge stretch goals? Do you set small goals? Do you not like goals? What do you think? No, I love goals. Um, I kind of have, like, I don't always intentionally do it, but it seems like it works out where I always have, like, my one, like, big scary goal, which I guess is earning my pro card. And then like underneath that I kind of have my like long-term goal which would be like my race goal for the season um so like right now it's for Ironman Texas and that's more of like for me well I guess there's like multiple goals that go in to like the Ironman Texas grand scheme of things so there's like a goal on how I want to place. There's a goal on my time, which the time goal can be very dependent on course conditions. So that one's not super important, but anyway. Um, and then there's like the goal of how I want to feel when I'm out on that course. Um, and then when you go even smaller than that, I have goals on how I want to feel during my training um, and things I want to work on during the road to get to the race day. Yeah. And so you really like layer, really layer your goals so that you have pieces that you're constantly focusing on that helps keep you present too in what you're doing. Um, Yes, exactly. Which I think is the key piece with goals. Like goals are one of those where they're, they can be so open-ended, honestly. And I think sometimes that can scare people um, where they can, you know, where, again, like you said, like, maybe I have a goal for Ironman Texas, but it is kind of open-ended. But then you have to ask yourself, like, how do I want to actually achieve that goal? And setting pieces, you know, in between those. Um, I was listening to a podcast uh, last week um on actually on goals and it was really I thought it was really interesting because they talked a lot about kind of exactly what you just said it was this idea of what asking yourself when you are setting goals like what do you want to experience and then using that to help you to set your goal because what you want to experience could be very different like do you want do you want to experience something very specific do you want to experience the process And then that will help you then to kind of set your goal. And, you know, they were talking about you really should have like one or the other, like 
op- say an open goal, which is more process oriented, or in a specific goal, which is more exactly what you said. Like I want, I have a time goal, I have a place goal. But I like how, like for you did that, you kind of naturally did this, and I like it. I think this is how they should be. You should have a mixture. Yeah, right? I like having a mixture. I I think when you have a mixture, it allows you to like like let's say you only have the like outcome focused goal like if that's not going the way that you want it to like it still gives you a chance to like take success and feel accomplished after mm-hmm. a race and i think the thing for me is like finishing an iron man especially is like a huge achievement in and of itself no matter how many times you've done it um so like i never want to get to an iron man finish line and only feel upset um, yeah. And I think when I set the process goals along the way and I set goals of like how I want to feel during the race, it gives me something to feel proud of at that finish line, even if I didn't achieve the outcome goal I was aiming for. Yeah. So really creating goals that are uh, outcome, process, and effort, like kind of the three main aspects of a goal is setting them with those three things in mind. Like, okay, I want to achieve this, but... How do I how do I have to achieve that? So like what process pieces do I have to focus on? And then what effort pieces? And that can be really related to also like how do you want to feel and what do you want to experience? Like because what you experience is directly then, I, I believe, directly then related to the goal that you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always like to say, you know, the types of goals, there's stretch goals, um, non-stretch goals, open goals, specific goals, which kind of can be related in all those. But then I believe the really important piece is exactly what you just talked about, like the process, the effort, and you can kind of mesh those into like calling them micro goals. Um, micro goals, I believe, are some of the most powerful types of goals because they are the little actions that you have to achieve in order to actually get that, the outcome that you're looking for. And they give you that checkbox, right? Because a lot of times, like you, like you said, like you have this big, scary goal of wanting to get your, your, your pro card, but there's a lot of steps along the way that need to happen in order for you to feel confident on top, not only to achieve it, but also when you do achieve it, to actually feel confident, like, yes, I'm ready to do this. Yeah. And so, you know, those are the pieces that keep you, right? We talk, we've, I've talked about this often, like, keep you disciplined, right? Motivation is what sets the goal. But it's dedication and discipline that keeps you going towards that goal. And it's all the little micro pieces and actions that you set in between that then <laughs> keep you dedicated and disciplined to the goal that you're trying to achieve. What do you think is, can be the hardest part about setting goals? I've gotten a lot better at this. Um, but I do think for most people, it's letting other people know your goals, especially the big scary ones. And I think it's a really important thing to do. I think you need to let other people know your goals because that makes them real. Um, And it, yeah. And if you don't do that, it's like you're not fully buying into that goal or you're not fully believing that you can do it. Um, But I think people get scared to tell others whether they don't want people to feel bad for them if they don't accomplish it or they don't want people to think they're cocky. I know I've experienced those feelings before, um, but I think it's important to tell other people because it's important for that goal to become real and for you to 100% commit to it. Yes, I love that. Saying it out loud makes it so much easier to commit to it. Not easier, actually. That's not true. It just it brings it to life, doesn't it? Like, yeah. The more you say it out loud, the more you hold yourself accountable to it. Um, I have one that is actually, again, I was listening to this other podcast on goal setting, and they had this really great point of building some slack into your goals. And I think this is weirdly, weirdly enough, like when he first said it, I was like, oh, that's not a good idea. But then I was like, wait, that's actually a great idea. Because a lot of times when we, you know, when we build our goals and 
take New Year's resolutions, for example, or actually one of my best examples for this is I have athletes that maybe they'll set a little goal of, of wanting to be green in training peaks all week. That's their, that's their goal. So that maybe they have a total of seven sessions on their, their training set, their training week, and they want to be all green. But then something comes up and on, you know, they get off work late and instead of having an hour of time frame, they only have 30 minutes of time. And then because they can't get the full hour in and it wouldn't be green, they basically just say, well, what the hell? I, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I, I, I'm gonna, I, I failed. I failed my goal. And then it blows up their entire week. Right? Yeah. So by building a little bit of slack into your goal, it's kind of like giving yourself a little bit of grace, almost just giving yourself a little bit of understanding of knowing, hey, I just have to, just because I didn't hit all green every day this week, but I did try every day kind of thing. Like, okay, so I only had 30 minutes instead of an hour. Well, I did what I could in those 30 minutes. And really, I had the goal of seven, hitting all seven sessions, but I hit six out of seven. And there's just this little itty bitty bitty bit of slack that then just kind of gives you that space to not become, not to have what, you know, the, I I, I fucked up, I, I can't do it scenario. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not grace in a sense that's like, well, I I oh, oh I can't do it at all today, so I'm just not even going to try. But it's more of grace of like, okay, it's not perfect, but I'm still working my way towards what I'm trying to achieve. I don't know. I thought that was kind of yeah. actually. No, I really like that because I do see that a lot where if you have this goal and you take like one step backwards and mm-hmm. going towards that goal i see a lot of people just implode yes. <laughs> instead of just getting back on track so yeah they become very disengaged with it yeah yeah um and so i think yeah that's a good piece to kind of again focus on staying committed to the goal but giving yourself some space to say because right none of it's it's all it's all messy i mean we could use both of us have millions of examples where the goals that we're trying to achieve are take forever or like go back we go backwards you know we use yeah. ironman texas for example for you right now like you have a little bit of a blip in the road at the moment but you're still you can still work towards the goal just yeah. at this exact second you're not taking a step forward you're just kind of stagnant and and that's okay because we need to go down X road for you then to turn back onto the right path. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Oh. Um, if we, so in like kind of the name of speaking very big, scary, hairy goals, do we have one for the year? Do you oh, have a big, year. scary goal for the year? Mm. Not one that's like hugely scary for the year um like i want to be top 10 overall at both the iron mans i do because i think i'm gonna sign up for iron man florida um that's a good and one that, i like that for you um but at the same time those goals don't scare me like i think i'm very like that is very well in my range of capabilities <laughs> this year um i think the outside goal i have and training is going to have to start going a bit better and the course conditions would have to be pretty perfect but like i really want to start getting close to that 10 hour mark and like mm-hmm. my best time's 10:45 right now so that's like it would be a huge drop but um like eventually i do want to be under 10 hours and mm-hmm. um so i think the closer i can get to that and having that like right around 5 hour bike split that was going to be mine for you. I was going to say, I have one for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that when I build your stuff, I keep in the back of my mind. Like, okay, Aaron has every capability at Ironman Texas of course conditions. You know, if, they don't, if we don't have the hell wind that we had in 20, yeah. 22 or whatever that was. Yeah. Um, you have every capability of being close to that five hour mark um, on the bike. And it's like, you know. When I build your plans, I think about that. Like, okay, what can we do to really bolster Erin's biking so that she can hit the close to that five-hour mark? 
Yeah. Um, and then when you really break that down, I think, because we've talked about that and I'm like, yeah, that's doable. And then when you put the times together, like five hour bike, four hour run, one mm-hmm. hour swim, it's like, oh, Bam. you're there. Right there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so, I'm like, you know, that's, that's a scary goal and the chances are meh, but I'm putting it out there. That's that's a goal. Um, but it is scary it. to say out loud. <laughs> I love it. And I do not want anyone to be disappointed if I don't get it because I like scary goals. I think it's important to have big goals. And if you don't achieve it, whatever, I have a ton of other goals as well. Yeah. So what's your big scary goals, Kayla? I want a podium at a race. Hell yeah. It is. It's like, if, and especially like the reason I feel like it's so big, I really believe I'm capable of doing it, but it is kind of scary because especially like my track record from last year was 10th place. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so. You know, it seems kind of crazy, but that's my big scary. I want, I want to be on the podium at a race in 2024. Um, I think I can. Um, training is going really well for me, which is crazy to seem like this is the first time in, I, I, I even put in my, my notes for my coach. Like, I feel like this is the first time in like two years or more where I really feel like I'm actually getting stronger with sessions. Like, especially after last year, like last year was just such a mess. Like I really think I started the year out with some physiological stuff going on. And then I also think I put so much pressure on myself to try to perform and to try to prove that I deserve to be in the pro field and like all these things. And it just, you know, spiraled and spiraled and spiraled throughout the entire year. Um, and this year I've really removed that pressure. Like I, I'm trying to go like, I think I said in the podcast before, like, I'm not going for the Ironman Pro Series. I decided to like, let that go. And if if it happens, it happens. Um, and I'm just choosing races that I want to do. And based off of, hey, does this make sense for my family, my schedule, and having some more fun with it. And, and then I've been really working on improving my recovery and taking supplements that I need to be taking, eating, like, doing all the pieces. And this is the first time I feel like in two years where I get done with training and I'm like, I can do the next day. Like last year, I could not back, back up sessions. Like that was my biggest complaint. Like I think I even said in the pockets, like I could not back sessions up. I couldn't do, I couldn't do a really hard day and then do another hard day back to back. Like I couldn't do it. Whereas now I'm in week three and this is the second week in a row. Like Last week was 21 hours, I think. And this week, we're about right about 21 to 22 hours. And I got, I'm at Thursday. And I had, you know, earlier, like this week, I had a medium-ish day on, on Monday. I swam. I did swim, bike, run on Monday. And then Tuesday, I had a four-hour ride. And then yesterday, I had a really hard bike with a hard run and a hard swim. And I nailed all of it like three days in a row. And it just feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. But I to think that finally, also shows how yeah. important it is to do the things behind the scene. Right. Yes. Like make sure you're taking those nutrients that you need and you're eating enough. Yes, it does. Stuff. It very much highlights it. Like, you know, so things that I'm doing differently this year is one, I'm re- removed a lot of pressure from myself. Number one. I think that's a big one for me. Um, the other one is the behind the scenes pieces. So I'm trying really hard to eat more, which is, a, you know, always been a struggle for me. Um, I'm trying hard to like fuel more beforehand before sessions. Like if I have a session, I, I eat these bars, these that have like 50 grams of carbs and I, I eat that beforehand. So I know that I'm starting, like I'm doubling up on some of the carbs beforehand. I'm, I'm trying to fuel in my sessions. I'm taking my vitamins. I'm using my pillar performance, my vitamin C. I am doing, trying to sleep as much as like I go to lay in bed at seven. Like I'm doing all the behind the scenes things and I think it's paying off. So fingers crossed, it'll pay, continue to pay off. It's a lot of things though that you got to do behind the scenes. You're doing awesome. I'm trying to. Um, okay. Uh, we had a question um, on what do we eat, back to eating, um, what do we eat 
before a race. And I think we've covered this in previous um, episodes, but it has been a while um, since I think we've covered it. But what is it that we like to eat before a race? Simple foods, I think is the key. Yeah. I don't know. I've been playing around with it a little bit, but um, a variety of bars sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the Bobo's bars, I think are pretty good. Um, I wish I liked those. Really? You don't like them? Mm Mm-mm. I love them. They're so Um, bland. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think. Like, sometimes I'll do oatmeal. I'll always do a banana with almond butter. That's, Mm -hmm. like, an always thing. Some type of caffeine's an always thing. I've kind of been alternating between coffee and energy drinks. Um, Yeah. I think it's really key just to make sure that one, you eat, like, we're talking morning of, if you're doing a 70.3 or you're doing a full Ironman, you need to eat breakfast. Yeah. Like, you just have to. Because it's a long day and you have slept all night. Most likely the last time you ate was at the very latest 8 p.m. And you're going to go push yourself super hard for anywhere from four to 17 hours, depending on what type of race it is that we're talking about and who you are. And you have to eat food. You've got to put calories in. Um, morning of, it's best to just pick easy to eat calories. Muffins, bagels, croissants, toast, uh, oatmeal, bananas, a bar, like just get the calories in. Like, low, you know, and just enough fiber in them to help you go to the bathroom, but, you know, keep it simple and, and definitely get a good amount of calories in. Um, and then leading up to it, this is actually something that I'm going to try. Like I, again, I was listening to a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts <laughs> because I do a lot of driving and, <laughs> It takes me an hour to get places here. <laughs> and so I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, but I was listening and, and she was this the they were talking about how she had a really bad race and uh, this athlete had a really bad race and then um she met with a nutritionist and they kind of walked her through all these pieces and then she um they had her actually really up her carbohydrates a couple days before, like two days before. Um and and then she had a really good race. And I was thinking about it and she was saying how like what they had her do the second time the second go around, they were like eating two full bagels for breakfast and having um it was like double the amount of carbs. And I was thinking about everything that I do before eat before race and while I try to up my carbohydrates, I do not even get close to what her like baseline was. And I was like, that makes so much sense to me because you have to, you have to, and I know this, right? <laughs> I coach this. I teach this. I, I learned it. I know it. I've always known it, but you have to, you got to load your glycogen system up. You got to fill your liver with glycogen. You got to fill your muscles with glycogen. You got to fill your aerobic system with glycogen. Like you need to load your system up with glycogen. And how do you do that? By eating carbohydrates. It's the only way that you can do it. So, one thing I'm going to attempt this year is say a race is on Saturday, on Thursday, and Friday, but really Thursday too, is trying to like double up on the carbohydrates beforehand, which is not easy to do for me. You've got it. Got it. <laughs> Just do it. Right. <laughs> um, rice. Yeah, rice. I love so rice. Easy. I yeah. love rice and potatoes. Like, I don't have an issue with that. I'll go buy a whole thing of mashed potatoes or roasted potatoes. Oh, I love some roasted potatoes. I don't like potatoes. I'm a well, weirdo. Have you tried putting butter on them? Yes. <laughs> They're just, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. I've never, like, growing up, I didn't even like mashed potatoes growing up. Who doesn't like mashed potatoes? Me. You're nuts. No, my parents used to call me um, 
un-American because yeah. I don't like things like, I don't like gravy. I don't like mashed potatoes. I don't like Snickers, Butterfingers, peanut butter cups. You name an American candy. And I can guarantee you I don't like it. Mm. Never have. I think I like you a little less now. Right. <laughs> we just lost like 15 followers. This game doesn't like anything. <laughs> I can make up for your dislike of potato. I love potato. I don't know what it is. I just never, I never have, even growing up. It's not something that came out of my eating disorder or anything along those lines. It's from like as long as I remember remembering things so if you were to keep one of the main carbs between pasta bread rice and potato which one are you keeping keeping oh uh bread i like bread yeah bread would be my first eliminated because i like like, i'll eat six pieces of toast no problem Mm -hmm. yeah that's i love toast um (laughs) so that's yeah bread and then probably rice and then pasta um, just pasta, pasta. I can eat so much of it. I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, bread. I'd keep Love rice. Bread. It's such a staple of my diet. Like the potatoes. If I eliminate potatoes, I'd be a healthier individual because that means no French fries, no potato chips. So it I do like French fries in the world, and I like potato <laughs> chips. I just don't like potatoes, like potatoes. actual potatoes. Not, not my favorite. No, I love mashed and roasted and scalloped and au gratin. <laughs> All the potato. I mean, those are good. I mean, they're hard to, hard to go wrong with au gratin potatoes. I mean, it's just cream and cheese covering. <laughs> it. Basically, the potato is just a, like, way to deliver the cheese and the cream. <laughs> okay. Uh, a couple more. One more. Another question here um, is... Well, talking about cycling shoes, oh. and we probably aren't going to be the best for people to answer this question, um, but is it better to have good cycling shoes to help with injury prevention? And I don't know if it necessarily helps with injury prevention, but I can tell you from someone who has bought cheap shoes and bought expensive cycling shoes, the expensive ones feel better on your feet by and far. I will say I think having someone to help you get the cleat on the cycling shoe in the right position is going to be way more important than the money you spend on the shoe itself if you're looking like strictly at it from an injury prevention standpoint. 100%. So I'm struggling with that right now. I think my left cleat got knocked out of place during travel or something probably because my left knee has been really bothering me especially on the bike my toes are going numb 15 minutes into all my rides and like by like an hour and a half my calf feels numb so I've got to play around with that left cleat position a little bit and if I can't get it I'm probably gonna take it in and make get it fitted with my bike yeah in reality you should get a bike fit minimum once a year but if you're someone who has the ability, the time, and or the money, if you can get two bike fits a year, that is going to be the best option for you um, because you are a different person at the beginning of the year when maybe you're slightly unfit or you're probably more fit than you were last year, but you're slightly unfit. And then you're going to get more fit throughout the year, you're going to gain more mobility, you're going to gain more experience, like your body changes. So ideally, you should be getting two bike fits a year, but that's not always like a reality for 99.5% of the people out there. So if you can get one bike fit a year, then you really should because of those exact things that Aaron is talking about. Like yeah. things get knocked loose, you change, you know, all those pieces. Um, Going back to the main question, though, I get the logic of where you're coming from because when I bought my first pair of cycling cleats, I'd been using my mom's like when I was just doing the Peloton and stationary cycling, I was just using my mom's old ones. Um, But then when it came time to buy my first pair of cycling shoes, I was like, Oh, I have like bad feet problems. I'm just gonna suck it up and like buy really expensive ones. So that's all I've ever between my mom's old ones, which I think were on the cheaper side. And 
now I wear like lakes, which I think is like a $400 pair of shoes. Um, but oh, I do wear nice, cycling yeah. specific ones instead of try shoes, because I think you can get a different tightness level yes. on the boas. Um, 100%. But that's just my only experience. So I don't know. But I do think the cleat placement is going to be the biggest thing. Yep. You're, you're very correct. I do think nice, the nicer ones are going, they're going to have a better structure. Um, nicer ones are, you know, part of one of the things like with buying nicer ones is most likely they are going to be potentially carbon and you're going to get a better power transfer through your foot into your cleats, into your pedal, which then is better power transfer in general. Um, you know, and so those are things to think about, but you also don't necessarily have to spend, have to spend $400. Like I think mine are, were like 190. Um, and they work great. They're comfortable. They are carbon. So they do have a good power transfer. I have a pair that I would love to buy that are like 400, but I have yet to be able to like manage myself to do it. <laughs> I, I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> Every time it's not. I'm like, I don't think I needed this. Um, <laughs> yeah. but one more thought I had on that. If you can also get insoles for your cleats. Mm-hmm. So like when I get my bike fit, they look at my foot and they're like, these are the insoles I think would benefit you from an injury prevention standpoint. Yep. So again, when you're looking at it from that point, there's stuff you can do to your shoes, no matter where they fall on the price range scale um, to help with injury prevention. Yeah. And I think that's actually a kind of it's a little bit of a tangent, but it fits in nicely. Like insoles for, I actually I talked with an athlete earlier this week and she asked about like, should she get insoles? And, you know, insoles are one of those where the science is very back and forth. Like you'll get some yeah. bike fitters, run fitters, PTs, et cetera, that are like diehard on insoles. And then you get others that are extremely against, you know, it, it, so, and, and the science can prove either, either way, honestly, it really yeah, can. It really um, can. <laughs> and I really think that's one of those, like for me, whenever someone asks me, I say, it, to me, it comes down to what feels good for you. Like, because at the end of the day, if it makes you feel better, if it feels like it helps get rid of your niggle or not, then that's what matters. Um, like, for example, I actually got insoles put into my cycling shoes to um, this time frame after I did my – because I have a tendency to have my left knee likes to knock like, and smack into the in, into my frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we put – and we couldn't even get – couldn't get it right with the cycling. Like, couldn't get the cleat to hold it in place and it would still knock well we put in some insoles and that has basically gotten rid of that and on top of that i have that morton's neuroma issue and where the insole hits in my arch actually puts pressure in an area that is designed to help spread the metatarsals which helps with morton's neuroma so does it technically fix things yes no i don't know but I have noticed a difference, and that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. Like, I, I have them in my cycling shoes, but I don't have them in my running shoes. Same. <laughs> Correct. Just yeah. Dependent on the person yep. and what they like. I know plenty of people who have them in their running shoes and who don't have them in their cycling shoes. But That was me for the longest time. Um, I had had them in my running shoes forever, and then I just decided not to, and I didn't notice a single difference. Um, <laughs> so I was like, why continue buying these expensive <laughs> insoles when I don't know if they're even making a difference? But um, yeah, so insoles, I mean, they can. So I think that was a good point that there's a lot you can do to help your feet, you know, cover all the other bases without kind of yeah. injuring yourself. Do your toe yoga and your toe, your towel scrunches. And- yes. All that. Your calf raises. Yeah. That's a big one. I think a lot of people miss is calf raises and how important they are for helping your feet and your ankles, your calves. Um, and, you know, doing those really controlled can make a huge difference in injury effectiveness for your ankles and your feet and um, your perennial tendon and everything. It's a, it's a big, helpful one. Awesome. Um, I think those were all of our questions actually for the week. Oh, cool. Um, so gives us, it's good. Cause that gives us a nice amount of time to 
uh, get to the things that we need to get going to. So um, anything you want to add, Erin, that we missed for the day? I don't think so. Just stay safe to everywhere that's cold. Couldn't be me. Arizona's the only state without a weather yeah. warning, I think. Arizona and Florida are pretty much the only. <laughs> yeah. So, no, um, please. Ag- agreed. Everybody stay safe out there. Um, I think hopefully there's only like another week or so of it. Sounds like this is going to be like Armageddon. Standard January. Armageddon for like one to two weeks and then it'll hopefully clear off for everybody but don't trip on ice when you're out there running Uh. yeah just be safe be smart (laughs) um and yeah try to stay warm run the water in your house so you don't freeze your pipes (laughs) and yeah texas has that problem i think kim was saying her, her house just started stopped working a lot of people yeah um, Portland, Oregon is like imploding and spoke places in Spokane have been freezing cold. Yeah. So infrastructure is just not necessarily meant to handle, you know, negative degrees all of the time. Um, I saw the funniest thing on Instagram. This is a totally side note, but I laughed so hard at it. There's this guy on Instagram who he always like, he's British and he, constantly talks about things in america and he was like people it is they've got like freeze warnings like i don't believe that america is real and here's my proof that america is not real it is going to be negative 40 in some areas and they're just going on about their day on about their life was it maybe negative 40 let me tell you if this was England, if it was Britain, it was going to be negative 40. The whole place would shut down and we wouldn't do a thing. <laughs> we still play football. Yeah, we still play football for God's sakes. <laughs> like, oh, man. So, yeah. Did you crazy. see the picture of Andy Reid, the Kansas City chief coach, with his mustache with like oh he used chunks yeah. on it he used that 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 picture in this little like meme little thing on instagram <laughs> like it's so cold in america that this man's mustache froze and they're still <laughs> out there playing football if my mustache froze like that i wouldn't leave my house <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyways well if you all are still listening to us at this exact moment thank you for staying on <laughs> Lots of babbling today. Lots of babbling today. Sometimes we have days like that. It's just the way that it is. Um, But again, thank you everybody for uh, following along with the podcast. And for those of you that continue to share it on social media, that is the easiest way to help support us. Um, Gets more eyes and ears um, onto onto the podcast and then allows us to continue to do more with it. So, um, yeah, we'll be back next week with more answering your questions random babbles about football and how cold it is and everything in between we try to stick to triathlon to the most of our abilities but let's face it guys life is not just triathlon though mine might be i don't know (laughs) i'm pretty consumed with it like i told like whenever jack kelly on that triathlon hour or whatever that's called will say something and he'll be like well the only thing i do in my life is listen like my consume triathlon content and i was like man I'm also that pathetic because that's basically, it's not my kids and if we're not doing something with the kids and all I'm doing is consuming triathlon content from training, the podcast, YouTube, coaching. It's just my life, but I love it. I love it. I also, this is a more babbling, um, Baylor with the Red Bull Rampage. I can't wait till that kid's a little older and like, I feel like him and Kyle It'll just be oh, like two peas yes. in a pod. Loves Red Bull Rampage. He sits there and like stares at it and goes, my do it, my do it. Like he, <laughs> Baylor is pretty, like Skyler is our golfer. Like, he is our golfer. He is our, he's our, edu- he's our educationally, like very kind of in your head type of kid. Very sensitive, etc. Baylor is going to be my adventure junkie. Like we were watching extreme kiteboarding last night and he just, my do it, my do it. Like, that's how he says it. Like, I want to do it. He's yeah. And he, every day comes home and wants to watch Red Bull Rampage. 
It's his favorite thing to watch. Does Brandon do any mountain biking? No. Yeah. No, my fine. parent, my family does. My family okay. is very adventurous. Like my, um, my dad is my, both my parents are big mountain bikers, but my parents are very adventurous in general. And he, he'll point at it and he'll point at Red Bull Rampage. For those of you that don't know what Red Bull Rampage is, it's this really crazy downhill mountain biking event in Utah that is unbelievable. Like, go watch it. It is so cool. Um, as a mother, when your child is watching it, like, it is gut-wrenchingly terrifying. Um, <laughs> like, they build these tracks in the middle of a mountain. It's just unbelievable. Anyways, I'm the father of your kid one day trying oh. to do stuff like that. <laughs> as they're doing, as they're doing double backflips over a 50, 40 foot canyon gap, <laughs> straight down a mountain. Like you wouldn't even want to walk down some of this stuff. Like it's unbelievable. But he'll point at it and go, "Papa does that. Papa does that. My do it. I do it." And it's like, "Oh boy, Baylor. Oh boy. Okay." Yeah. Yep, you do that. <laughs> Try and really like I really don't want to like imprint, imprint like my fears or like any of those things on my kids and like really allow them to like decide what they want to do. But a part of me really is like, "No. No, you're not allowed to do that." <laughs> I feel like if you tell him no, he'll just want to do it more at this point. <laughs> I know. And so now whenever he rides his little strider bike, he like rides it into the rocks and like tips it over and falls down because he watched some of the Red Bull Rampage people like crash. And, and he'll be like, ah, I fell down like the bikers, biker down. I was like, oh boy. Oh boy. We're in for a I treat showed here. Kyle those videos and it made him so happy because for those who don't know, uh, Kyle, my boyfriend, he's really into like mountain biking and did a ton as a kid we watched red bull rampage um he's a big dirt biker he loves all those like yeah scary sports that's gonna be baylor <laughs> he's like oh, yeah baylor we're gonna be best buds <laughs> he's so into it he loves it like any of the extreme he likes to watch we love the red bull we love the red bull channel um and he likes to watch the big wave surfing like mm. the other night he wanted to watch big wave surfing and then last night he wanted to watch big wave kiteboarding extreme kiteboarding and so apparently he's our adventure junkie at the age of two and a half so <laughs> love it love okay it. It's everyone <laughs> all right everybody <laughs> we will be back next week and i hope everybody uh stays safe stays warm and has a wonderful amount of training time coming up so um, we will chat with you next week. Bye, everybody.